Welcome to Rediscover Leadership. My name is Alan George, and I am thrilled that you are joining us on this journey. You know, I want to give you a little bit of context as to how this project came about. So I've been involved in leadership for many years now, and like so many of you, I've read the leadership books and listened to the podcasts and learned about building effective teams and thinking strategically. But I didn't realize that I needed to ask myself a particular question until I read this book, Soul Keeping by John Orberg. If you haven't read it, you need to grab a copy. The question's simple. How's your soul doing? Unfortunately, I didn't realize the importance of a healthy soul in the life of a leader. Now, through mutual friends, I got introduced to John and over the past couple of years, we've had multiple conversations where we talked about leadership and spiritual formation and the importance of both of those worlds. And while we were having those conversations, I couldn't help thinking, man, I wish more people could hear John's thoughts on leadership. And so that's what we did. We just grabbed a camera and thought, let's just record a few of the things that we've talked about over the past couple of years. And so I want to invite you into the conversation. Bring your team. It's a great opportunity and resource for you guys to do this together. And our prayer for you is that God will speak to you. And through these words, he would inspire you and help you, just like he helped me, rediscover leadership. John, thank you so much for taking the time to be in this conversation. I've Alan, it's a joy. I've loved talking about leadership with you. And I think one of the things that I've been trying to navigate in my own life is I know the importance of leadership mm-hmm. and I've valued learning about practices that help me become a, a good organizational leader in terms of leading teams and casting vision and best practices, habits, all of that. But in my own life, I noticed that there was a missing element when it came to the person I'm becoming. Because somewhere down the line, I thought, what I do is really important. And that overshadowed who I'm becoming. When I think about the world we live in right now, things are difficult. Things are complex. We need leaders more than ever before. And I I think the average person might even be nervous of stepping into a moment like this because they may feel... There's just too much here. And so I'm curious, like when you think about where we are in time today mm-hmm. and what we're faced with, what comes to mind? Yeah, it's overwhelming. This this is a moment unlike any other. I've been mm-hmm. doing pastoral ministry now for more than 40 years. And when you think about COVID, uh, the murder of George Floyd, Tyree Nichols' story mm-hmm. right now, uh, the presence of racism in ways that are very, very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Church is trying to figure out, will our attendance go back to what it used to be, increasing polarization, Mm -hmm. uh, people kind of discovering that folks in my church often seem to have a deeper identity around their political affiliation or their party than they do uh, based on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, then huge challenges around finances, inflation, what's going to happen with that? How is our giving going to be impacted? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be able to hire people? Are we going to be able to build campuses? What do we do around sexuality? Mm -hmm. Uh, if you hold to a traditional view, you're thought in many places to be immoral. 
if you're concerned about inclusion around issues of LGBTQIA, then you can't call yourself an evangelical anymore. Mm-hmm. But people aren't sure that they want to call themselves an evangelical anymore. Young people are deconstructing their faith. Yep. Old people are deciding. I don't. What a great time <laughs> to be in ministry. I just, I seriously think in a moment like this when we are facing uncharted waters Mm -hmm. and the challenge is really high, it can feel daunting for a lot of folks, and it often is, but actually this is the best time to be in ministry. I think the church has always been at its best when it has the least. And from the very beginning when it got started, no resources, no connections, no power, and there was a way in which it depended deeply on God. Mm -hmm. And I think people can enter into a season of freedom and uh, an ability to embrace, God, what are you doing right now when the water's really choppy? Mm -hmm. So I think for anybody who's listening to this and is troubled, curious, daunted, afraid because of the unknown times that we're in, uh, this is a great time. This is the best time. I I just think anybody who's willing to step into leadership roles in church ministry right now is doing it at the best time. Yeah, so right after COVID, I... Um, was just curious, you know, because we, we we talked about it a lot in terms of like, man, the church hasn't faced anything like this. Yep. You know, this is new territory. Like, how do we figure this out? How do we solve this? There was a lot of that in the air. And I I remember um, one of the classes I had when I was in, in Bible school, uh, my professor was teaching on the book of Acts. Um, I really, that was like my favorite class. So I called him up and I, I said, can I just, I want to pick your brain because Right now, what we're experiencing as a church, is this truly new? Have we, is this like the first time we're experiencing this kind of chaos? And it was, it was so interesting. He was like, Alan, the church, and not just the church, like even go back to Old Testament, God's people were never comfortable. Like when you think about God's people, Old Testament through New Testament, the church, they experienced a lot of persecution. Like you said, the church grew during that time. Mm-hmm. Why have we forgotten that? Yeah, you know, the last couple of years for me and our family have been a really difficult one. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me as I was just reflecting on that was to think in the New Testament, um, Jesus is born and Herod wants him dead. Mm-hmm. And so there's infanticide in Nazareth and they have to flee to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So he has to grow up an unwanted alien. Mm-hmm. Lots of conversations around those types of issues in our day. Political and, stuff going on. Yeah, that's right. Time. That's yep. right. And how do we deal with the alien? And so, and then he comes back, he begins his ministry, but he faces very, very severe opposition. He mm-hmm. gives his first sermon in Luke 4, and at the end of it, people want to take him and throw him off a cliff. Yep. Yep. So, like, I don't know how your first sermon ever <laughs> went, but people didn't try to actually yeah. kill me when I was going to. And his whole ministry then, um, he faces very severe criticism, very severe danger, and eventually that catches up with him, and yep. they crucify him, and then he's resurrected, and the church begins, but it begins in great persecution. Mm-hmm. He tells them, uh, you know, you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and they don't go anywhere, so then a great persecution breaks out, yep. and then they end up uh, having to travel places, and one of them gets killed, mm-hmm. and the rulers find out that people kind of like that, so they turn up the persecution. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist was beheaded. When we get our last glimpse of the church in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is at Rome waiting to be martyred. Hmm. 
So from the beginning of the New Testament to the end, every moment they are in life or death. Why would we ever think that we are yeah. guaranteed safety yeah. and comfort and ease and applause? Um, uh, we are the inheritors of a movement that was born under tremendous danger. Mm. And it's been God at work in the face of huge opposition that's made it clear that the church is not a human enterprise. Mm. One of the things that I've noticed in my own life when it comes to leading and when it comes to serving the church, mm -hmm. I know that I've relied on, I don't know if you want to call it corporate definitions of leadership or mm -hmm. just which I received a lot of good from. Yeah. But I, I think it was um, in Great Omission, Dallas Willard's book, he talks about we don't picture Jesus in these roles of leadership. You know, our, our picture of Jesus is different. When we think about, man, I need to lead. I need to lead in this moment. For me, Jesus, unfortunately, yep. transparent moment, yep. wasn't the first person that came to my mind when mm -hmm. I thought about who could I, who could I be like in this moment? Yeah. It was always someone else. Yeah. And, and not that that's a bad thing, but I see more and more of that. Uh, at least in my own life, and I've, I see it in the church space where we're 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 leaning on corporate definitions of leadership. We're leaning on um, corporate definitions of success. Like a question pastors ask is, "What does success look like in ministry?" And so, how do we view leadership through the lens of Jesus? Yeah. Dallas Willard would often say, "A real important aspect of Jesus is you have to realize he was a really smart guy." And but we was, don't talk about him that way. No, we don't. We don't. And, we talk and, about his patience. We talk about his grace. We talk about how much he loves us and mm -hmm. forgives us. No, but we sometimes think of him kind of like Forrest Gump, where <laughs> you know he's this really nice guy and he died for us and he was very kind. Um, but we don't think of him as the master of mm -hmm. every craft and the master of every discipline and a really, really smart guy. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is when we think about him in that way, um, then we don't actually look to him mm -hmm. as the example and the authority. And so that word Lord uh, was very much a leadership type word. Yeah. Uh, and so to say that Jesus is Lord of all mm -hmm. um, doesn't just simply mean he gets to have power because he's God. It's like... Uh, he knows how to influence. He knows how to lead. He knows what makes people tick. Yep. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you just think about aspects of Jesus from the perspective of leadership, mm -hmm. let's say someone were to say to you or to anybody who's listened to this conversation, all right, your goal is to live and lead in such a way that the entire human race divides its history up into before your life and after your life. <laughs> now, how would you go about doing that? And he did it. Yeah. And he didn't do it by accident. Yeah. Or... You know, we think a lot about branding mm -hmm. and uh, how do you create a logo? Mm -hmm. What's the most famous logo symbol in the history of the human race? The it cross. is the cross. Yeah. Nothing else is number two. Yeah. Nothing else comes close to that. And he did it on purpose. He would talk about, if you want to follow me, you must take up your, your cross. cross. And now that starts to get us deeply into Jesus's kind of leadership or style of leadership. Uh, it is a cruciform or cross-shaped, cross-formed style of leadership that turns everything upside down. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why it is so essential that we think of Jesus as the master leader 
and the master of the craft of leadership and the one from whom we must learn how to lead and the one that we must make the leader of our life. Because cruciform leadership, cross-shaped leadership, which is very strong, very confident, very directive, mm -hmm. very self-sacrificial, yeah. very uh, 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 ego-crucifying, that is just desperately needed in the church in our day. How do we do that, though? I mean, like... If it feels to me yeah. that more readily available, I mean, as I'm even saying it, it sounds silly. Like we have the word of God. Mm -hmm. Why do we, why are we tempted to go somewhere else for clarity on how to lead in moments of uncertainty? Why do we not naturally lean towards him? Um, I, I, again, looking at my own journey, growing as a leader, mm -hmm. I've read leadership books and I do the podcast thing. And I think that's helped me sincerely. Yeah. Like it's been really good. Yep. But why do we not talk about this more? Yeah. And, yeah. and how do we help leaders today lean to Jesus as their first place to go to versus, oh, I need to get this book or, cause we're all always sharing like, have you read this book? Have you read mm -hmm. that book? This yeah. is really good. And which is great. I mean, I'm not putting that down, No, it's but yep. I think it's just that internal tension for me of like, where did I lose that? Like when it comes to my salvation, Jesus, when it comes to eternity, my faith, Jesus. Well, I think part of what happened was, you know, 100, 150 years ago, there was this kind of split in the church between um, conservative, more orthodox, and then the liberal branch and the liberal side would talk about Jesus as a teacher yeah. or as somebody who was a leader of the movement around the kingdom, but not so much as divine, not so much as the son of God or the savior of the world. So people on the more conservative side started to think if you talk about Jesus as a teacher or as a leader, that's code for you don't really believe that he was God. Mm. And so they clung to that so much, they lost the centrality of Jesus as a teacher and didn't recognize that his teaching was an essential part of his bringing of the kingdom mm -hmm. and his ministry to us and the process of salvation. And so uh, we lost, I think, in that process, at least those of us in the, that more kind of conservative evangelical yeah. wing of the church, um, Jesus' mastery and uh, looking to him as the one who would teach us how to live, including how to lead. And so then we ended up looking to other sources for mm -hmm. that. And I think the rediscovery of Jesus, uh, so that folks would often be asked in the tradition that I grew up, yeah. have you made Jesus, have you accepted him as your savior, but not have you accepted him as, as your, your teacher? Yeah. And now for this, have you accepted him as your leader? Mm -hmm. And and then I think to add to that, um, because we were all made in the image of God, mm -hmm. and at the very beginning in Scripture, uh, it talks about God's central purpose in creating human beings is the giving to us of dominion, to exercise yes. dominion. And so that notion of exercising dominion to be strong and powerful in the creation of the yeah. good is central to us. Um, and we all have a hunger for that. That all gets deeply into the issue of what is leadership? Yes. Who is a leader? Where do we learn that from? So because we have a drive to be significant yeah. and make a difference, it's huge. But that's why when we get it wrong, 
leadership is so devastating. Mm-hmm. So Fuhrer is mm-hmm. another word mm-hmm. for leader. When when a, And that's why most of what Jesus says about leadership is actually in the category of warning. Mm. Because when it goes wrong, as it often does, and it's not cruciform, it's not cross-shaped, it's just devastating. devastating. And we watch that in the yeah. church. Next conversation, we're yes. going to talk about the kingdom and which kingdom are we building. Mm. But I, I want to... I want to end on this. You've talked about how it's not just the church that needs leadership, but mm-hmm. the world yeah, is yeah, looking yeah, yeah, for yeah. this. Yes. Um, and you talked about just even like different universities and just, can you t- share a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the reason that we're so hungry for leadership reflects the reality that we were made in God's image to exercise dominion. Yep. And exercising dominion does not mean lording it over people mm-hmm. and that's where again we start with jesus uh the lead the leader is the servant yeah and to lead is simply a form of servanthood when it's done rightly mm-hmm. and all of creation is waiting for that you look at romans 8 uh, all of creation groans for the revelation mm-hmm. of the children of god mm-hmm. so that it can be liberated from its bondage to decay and enter into its glorious freedom so that's what we see in that hunger for leadership that's creation groaning yeah that's the earth growing. That's the climate groaning. Mm-hmm. That's uh, organizations of people groaning. And so what's happened then is as uh, in recent decades and centuries, organizations have gotten more complex. Mm-hmm. The need for leadership has gotten more complex and more intense. And there is now something that uh, Gary Hamill, mm-hmm. uh, great uh, uh, Harvard Business Review said he was the number one strategic thinker in the world, mm-hmm. very strong Christian. Uh, he talks about the leadership industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in 2018, $87 billion was spent training people to lead. Wow. And we all are infatuated with that word yeah. leader. So, yes, I wrote a few of these things yeah. down. Um, the mission statement of Harvard Law School is to educate leaders, not lawyers, but yeah. educate leaders in the field of law. Harvard Med School is to nurture a diverse community of medical leaders. Harvard Divinity School is not to create pastors, to uh, educate men and women uh, for service as leaders in the church. Uh, their education program is to prepare leaders in education. Yale has a leadership institute. A Women's Leadership Initiative, Global Health Leadership, Chief Executive Leadership Institute, um, Dartmouth. I mean, you can't name a university yeah. that doesn't have that. Leadership programs, leadership journals. Uh, I actually was, uh, full disclosure, uh, for quite a while, uh, an editor at large for Leadership Journal, yeah. which at that time was aimed at pastors. So one good result of all this is at least we don't have any lack of fabulous, effective leaders throughout our culture, um, politically, corporately, church-wise. Everything's great. Yeah, everything's Amazing. great there. Yeah. One thing we've done is we have yeah. licked the leadership problem. Yeah. And of course, the reality is we all know uh, that's not the case. And yeah. we're desperate for leaders and leaders end up in ditches. Uh, they mislead badly. So that ought to make us at least think about yeah. if we're spending $87 billion a year to train leaders and we seem to be making so little progress at producing great leaders uh, who are helping our world and the church and culture to flourish, maybe we need to look to somebody else to help us understand what leadership is. And uh, the carpenter from Nazareth remains available. Thanks for listening to Rediscover Leadership. 
a series from Become New for Leaders. If you're here, you're asking great questions about what it means to lead while you follow Jesus. In case you didn't know, what you just heard is one of a seven-part series. Be sure to catch the rest. You can subscribe to receive all seven from becomenew.com slash leaders. You can also use the same link to get our free ebook on leadership and spiritual formation. Finally, if you want daily spiritual formation content from John Ortberg, founder of Become New, you can subscribe at becomenew.com slash subscribe. We're so glad you're here and we're committed with you to becoming leaders who follow well and lead like Jesus did.